Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Marcus Wynne-Rosa, PM is what they call me. And we've been in a phenomenal series entitled Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. What is that all about? The Bible says that God is rich and it explains all these things he's rich in. He's rich in love. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. He's rich in protection, abundance, you name it. So we are saying that everything that God is rich in, we want to, as sons and daughters of God, we want to live that lifestyle. We are, come on, if you were, Oprah was your mother or your, or if Obama was your father or Bill Gates or anyone else, there's a lifestyle that many would expect. So we expect to live a lifestyle of everything that God is rich in, we should have, and Jesus is famous. So if we are going to live the lifestyle of a rich God, our lifestyle will represent and give us an audience with someone that we can now testify or give our testimony and make Jesus famous. So that's what we're after in this series, showing you how to live the lifestyle of a rich God and a famous Jesus on a day-to-day, in your day-to-day life, all right? Today's message is entitled, This Is Not What I Expected. You remember when the children of Israel went to the promised land, it was an unexpected and uncomfortable blessing because it meant that they would inherit the promised land, but God would no longer provide manna. So they would have to provide for themselves. That paycheck of manna is cut off. They would have to partner their imagination and their work ethic for God to bless them. So everything changed. It's a whole different type of blessing. So if you're listening to us for the first time, maybe someone shared this podcast with you. I want to encourage you to watch us live every Sunday on Facebook and YouTube at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can just search The Epic Nation or pause wherever you're listening to this and write this down. You can you can text 74121, the word E-Nation, all one word. You can text 741. Hey, pause this. Rewind it really quick. You want to make sure you capture this and I, we will personally send you a text message every Wednesday at 7 p.m. and every Sunday at 12 p.m. to make sure you have access to not just our services, but all the other things we're doing as a church. We believe that it is our calling to help people win and live a quality life with the 168. What do we mean by that? God gives us 168 hours in a week, and most of the time, church just revolves around two hours on Sunday. But we believe we should help you live life and life more abundantly, all 168 hours, that spiritually you grow and learn more about God, professionally you develop in your career and in your purpose, and socially you have strong and sound relationships. That's what the Epic Nation is about. We call it our core three. So make sure that you join us. And if you decide that this message has been a blessing to you, here's what we ask you to do. We just ask you to share it with someone. Now, that's a simple request, right? If it's benefiting you, it'll benefit someone else. So share it with someone else. Without further ado, today's message, this is not what I expected. I'll see you in a minute. Our Bibles too. Let's go to Genesis, to Genesis chapter number 15, verse 18 and 19. Genesis, I got two texts for you today. Write this down. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. I'm gonna be I'll read in a new living translation. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. The land now occupied, please hear this. The land is occupied with the Kenites. Kenizzites, Cadmonites, 
Hittites, Parasites, Raphaites, um, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, Jebusites, all right? <laughs> it's, it's occupied with all these ites, okay? So God is making a promise to Abraham. Abram received the promise. He has great expectation for it because God is telling them all that land belonged to you. All that you're looking at. Okay, okay, okay. Let's flip it. Let's bring it to present day before I move forward. If I were to say to you, let's just say if I were to say to you, um, God is going to give you Microsoft. God is going to give you Apple. God is going to give you Uber. He's going to give you Amazon. But you got to drive out the previous tenant. You'll be like, oh my God, I get Amazon? See the excitement. See the parallel. God is explaining to them, I'm going to give you a luxurious, wealthy land. Much like if I told you I'm going to give you Amazon, it is a multi-billion dollar company. That's how they felt when they received it. Everybody following me now. To get word that God's going to give you something that belonged to somebody else that's already prosperous and wealthy. Got it. Now let's go to Joshua chapter number five. Please hear this, everybody. Make the connections. Make sure you're writing notes and tracking today. God just made the announcement to, to Abram. I'm going to bless you real good, boy. I'm giving you all that. I'm giving you all that. So I'm ex they excited. Now we read Joshua chapter number five, verse 11 and 12. This is not, this is the children of the children. These are the grandkids of those that Abraham would have passed it off to. So you got Abraham received it. Moses goes in into, y'all know the story. Moses delivers the children of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery to go into the land God told Abram, you're following. So Moses now is the one who's taking them into it. The, because they did not have faith and because, please hear this, when God was trying to work on them, in them and through them, he could not complete the work in them. So he allowed that older generation to die out in the wilderness because he couldn't get the me in them out for God to live. So God let the older generation die and the younger generation is now on their way into the promised land with Joshua leading them, not Moses, because even Moses couldn't go in. Come here, come here, come here. So when we pick up in Joshua chapter number five, this is a big picture of the younger generation is about to walk into what God has promised two generations before. You got it now. Joshua 5, verse 11 and 12. Oh, I love my Bible. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvest from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Oh, right there, right there, right there. Take that down. Do I still have y'all attention? Are y'all still listening to me right now? Please hear this. Please hear this. Imagine. I, I cannot talk Bible because I know sometimes, I know sometimes y'all get stuck in the scripture and can't make the connection. So I'm going to take it out of, out of first century modernity into 21st century contemporization. So let me marketize the text. Let me ep epicize the text. So this is Joshua chapter 5 verse 11 and 12, epic nation translation. Please hear this. Please hear it. Please hear it. The children of Israel has been living off of a steady paycheck of manna. It's not just food for them. It's, it's the paycheck God gave them. The moment they walk into what God promised them, they're looking around and God stopped the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He stopped the paycheck. And from that day on, the text I just read, everything for them changed. 
And they've got to adjust to a new faith, a new finance, a new way to live, a new way to eat. There's no houses built in the promised land. Although it's a blessing, it's a blessing that's uncomfortable because any house you're going to live in, you got to build. Any any food you're going to eat, you got to create. Any opportunity you're going to have, you got to create it for yourself. The promised land seems exciting, but it's frustrating because I'm in a place that don't nothing exists. I'm going to live in the environment of my imagination partnered with God. Oh, let me, let me give you my subject. Oh, the lifestyle of the rich and famous is the series we're in, but my subject for the day is this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. Come here. This is not what I expected. Lord, this is not what I expected. I got excited when you told me the Girgashites, the Ammonites, the Hittites, the Kenites, the Ites, that you told me I could have all that. Then I walked into the promised land and hold on. So I can't, I can't still keep, I, hold, hold, hold. I, can't, I can't be a successful entrepreneur and still keep my unemployment check. Hold on now. You can't stop that now. You, you, hold on. You're telling me that if I made $300,000 last year, I can't get a $1,200 stimulus? Something got to get, hold, 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 hold. Let's teach. This is not what I expected. God, I love you. Everything about you is perfect. The only problem we have in this equation is the people you use are so imperfect and you chose to use me. Father, don't let your people be hindered by my inadequacies. Give me the ability to express the, the things you told me to say today. God, don't let it just be a man talking, but let, this, let it be the day that, that brings us to life. God, let something happen that resonates with them. Draw their attention to something you're going to say and do that changes our life forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we, we already at 1220, so I got to move fast. Let, uh, Epic family, I, I, I have to explain something to you that I think that is going to be very important for you to understand. I begin to realize if I'm 36 years old, and whether you're 36, 30, or 25, you've lived long enough to recognize and to realize that chances are you have misdiagnosed your pain and misdiagnosed your frustration. I'll say it again. You have misdiagnosed your pain and misdiagnosed your frustrations because most of what we call a broken heart is really broken expectations. It is when I push onto someone an expectation of how they should respond, what they should say, what they should do. And chances are people don't typically live up to the expectation you have for them or the expectation you have for the relationship. So most of what we have experienced is not a broken heart. It is a broken expectation, whether it be a romantic relationship, one of which you expect the person to respond to you in the way that you responded to them. I was a good woman. I cared for them. I cooked for them. I cleaned for them. I made sure they were okay, but they never made sure I was okay. It's just broken expectation. I can't understand why my mother treats me this way, if it's not romantic. Why would my mother treat me this way, knowing how much I love her? I'll be there for her broken expectation. I don't understand why my father was never in my life, why my father would do this. Why does it hurt so bad for my father to do something when he a grown man making grown man decisions, but it hurt me because he broke the expectation I had for him? Broken expectation. Why is it so painful when I'm in a church and my pastor don't treat me the way, way he should? He don't acknowledge my gifts, my talents. Why is it that he don't... He don't make time for me. It is not that all the time that people are wrong. It is that I had an expectation based on how I viewed you and you broke my expectation. So a misdiagnosis 
of broken expectation that leads to a broken heart. And I'm here to talk to somebody and flip the script and say it's not just about the expectations I put on people. Sometimes I got expectations about God. And if truth be told, just for the people that's honest, sometimes God don't meet my expectations. Uh, I I, got to be honest that, God, I did what you told me to do. I stepped out on faith. I'm moving the way you told me to move. Okay, you told me to move here. Do this. Do that. You told you told me that that you will bless me and that I'm entrepreneurial. Okay, God, I'm stepping out on faith. You told me to say no to this, but you didn't tell me I was going to struggle like this. This don't meet my expectation. You told me that I'll be in a relationship, but I don't like the pace it's going at. This don't meet my expectation. The truth be told, am I talking to somebody? Who will be honest and say, I thought being saved would feel better than this. God, I thought that it felt, it seemed like my friends did, my friends ain't tuning in to Epic Experience on Sunday. They ain't coming to virtual interactive Bible study on Wednesday. And it seems like they living better than me. This don't meet my expect. Why am I giving up all these things, disciplining myself, praying, studying, reading? And it seems like the ones that don't care are living better than the ones that care. God, I gotta be honest with you. This don't meet. My expectation, God, am I talking to somebody that can just be honest? What do you do when it seems as if, God, this is not what I expected? I'm 30. Some of you right now looking at your life and saying, what is it all for? Why I got a sacrifice like this? Okay, when I was was out doing my thing, turning up, doing whatever I want to do, I had to pick up the litter. I could do what I want, have what I had, what I needed. Now I'm sacrificing And for what? I still don't have what I want. This is not what I expected. (laughs) I knew I was going to be talking to somebody lady. So epic family, when we move out of our introduction, we move into out of this emotional space of the introduction, resonating and connecting to you. Because some of you have made some, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel you now. Some of you have made some major faith moves in 2020. You stepped out on faith to do some things. You stepped out on faith and relocated. You stepped out on faith and invested. You stepped out on faith and set, and had to make some. Who am I talking to? Somebody on here, you had to make a hard no. Something was presented to you that you wanted to say yes to, and you had to make a hard no with God in mind. And, and you thought, you got excited, like, I know God going to bless me on this. And it still seems like he hasn't yet. And you're looking, and if you, to be honest, the thing is not meeting your expectation. God, what's going on? What is going on? So, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I want to speak to today. If we're going to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous, I must talk about the lifestyle of broken expectation. How to, how to explain how to gravitate, how to grab, hold on to, live out your relationship when it seems as if God is not doing what you expect him to do. You're in a relationship with God. So in your relationship with him, there must be honesty, transparency that God, I ain't happy. Like, come here, come here, come here, God, sit down. We got to talk. God, God, come here, sit down. We got to talk. Uh, yeah, how can I help you? Uh, God, I'm not happy. With the way that this relationship is going. God, I need somebody that's very, God, I'm not happy with the way things are popping off. I'm not happy with the way I'm living. I'm waking up and I'm not happy the way I, where I should be. Uh, God, I need to talk with you about this. I'm just not happy. But I know that you can turn this, okay, okay, I'm peeping a disconnect and it's not my internet. Somebody say, teach me something. I'm peeping a disconnect. Somebody, somebody's lingering too long and broken expectation. I got to pull you out of that. 
and into this new space. Can I teach this? Can I teach this? Uh, uh, snotty towel and all. <laughs> oh, excuse me, y'all. We fight through this sickness, but we're going to make it do what it do. <clears throat> so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here's what I need you to understand for me. <laughs> Come here, voice. Don't you leave me. Huh? Huh? Here's what I need you to understand me. Stand for me. I need you to understand this. The children of Israel, ladies and gentlemen, epic family, they, this, they are a picture for us of what it looks like to navigate your relationship with God in an unstable environment. Everything the children of Israel went through, we can look at it as an example for us of how to walk out a journey with God. Egypt, which represents a type of sin or place of sin or, or system of oppression. Whether it's my mind, my finances, whatever holds me out of the lifestyle God has for me, Egypt represents that. When the children of Israel are in Egypt, they are living beneath the standard of the lifestyle God has for them. So they are a picture for us of what it looks like to be bound to a system where I'm overworked and underpaid, to a system that I don't control my environment, to a system that someone else controls parts of me feeling distant from God as if God has forgotten about me. They have heard about the promises of God from their forefather Abram, but the lifestyle they're living is not meeting their expectations in Egypt. It is a picture for us. Ah, oh, it is a picture for us. Yeah. So when we look at Genesis, we see the promise. When we look at Exodus, we see Moses now. But can I back it all the way up and show you how in every one of their lives, how they had broken expectation? Because God promises Abraham, go to a land I'll show you, and he promises him a seed. But for 25 years, God didn't meet Abram's expectation because he has no seed. God, you promised me something that I don't have. Oh, you know Moses. Y'all remember my boy Mo. God promised Moses that he, would, that he would let his people go. He promised Moses the promised land, but he never told Moses about the Red Sea. <laughs> so the Red Sea didn't meet Moses' expectation. Then he gets there and he frustrated like, God, this don't look like what I expected. But now when we land with Joshua, we've got Joshua leading a group of people. And it is not meeting his expectation because he does not expect the Jordan River. He expects the promised land, but I've got to back this thing all the way up and go practical because I've been in the text too long. Ladies and gentlemen, this is when you write notes. Last week, I said something to you, and y'all know I don't mention words and not bring that thing together. We talked about spiritual discernment. You remember? Were you there? Were you frying chicken? Did you miss it? Were you there last Sunday when I talked about spiritual discernment and how God is working on me, God is working in me, God is working through me, and we unpacked that whole thing about spiritual discernment, but here's the part I didn't give you. This whole lifestyle of dealing with the unexpected, please write this down. Here's your quotable for the day. Lexus, make sure you grab this one. Typically, spiritual discernment leads to spiritual frustration. Typically, spiritual discernment leads to spiritual frustration. Write it down now, and I'm, I'll unpack it for you. Spiritual discernment oftentimes can lead to spiritual frustration. Let's teach. Slow down, Marcus. Slow down. This is a good pace. Why, why would spiritual discernment lead to spiritual frustration? Because when I discern a thing that God wants to do in my life, it typically will agitate something in me. 
I can get so comfortable with the life that I'm currently living. Once God allows me to discern it, I can clearly see what's next, but I'm stuck with what's now. Spiritual discernment can lead to spiritual frustration because you can be so clear on what God wants to do in your life. You can be so clear. Think about it. When you truly discern the will of God, where you know this is my husband, this is my wife, this is my job, this is my future. But every day you wake up to see the opposite of what you have discerned that God wants to do in your life. It causes frustration. Spiritual discernment can cause spiritual frustration because God lets me see what he's going to do. But it's two questions that is that is hanging by a thread that every person struggling with. Slow down, Marcus, so they don't miss you. Huh? Huh? Here go the questions. The two questions we grapple with. God, you showed me very clear. Who is the per- who? Who's on here that God has shown you what's next? You're like, okay, I can see it. Like, I know my business going to pop. I know this going to happen. You clearly see it, but you don't know how. So you find yourself being spiritually frustrated with God because you keep praying about the same thing and you don't see it happening. <laughs> you get glimpses of your future. <laughs> you get glimpses of your future. You get glimpses of it and you see it so clearly. Certain times you deja vu, you dream, you get mesmerized, you start, you start smiling and say, oh, yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to do this, this, and this. You can paint the picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Say, I'm going to have employees. I'm going to come in. Say, I'm going to park there. I'm going to drive this. You look at the car you're going to drive. Yeah, I'm going to have my wife. I'm going to have my kids. See, we're on vacation every year. But then you pray about it, and sometimes it starts causing spiritual frustration. He agitates you with the promise to make you want it. And here's the two questions I told you got to answer. Here's the two questions. The two questions that oftentimes God does not answer is how, which is the method. Typically, God is answering our prayers, but because we don't understand the method of God, we don't realize that in the process of him answering our prayers, we don't recognize God moving in that way. (laughs) So the method of God, he tells us what, but don't always tell us how, and he don't always tell us when. The two frustrations of our lives is how is God going to do it and when is God going to do it? How deals with the method of God, when deals with the timing of God. How deals with the method of God, when deals with the timing of God. How deals with the method of God, when deals with the timing of God. Say it one more time. How deals with the method of God, when deals with the timing of God. Can I go Bible? The Bible tells me that Israel knew God's acts, but not his ways. Moses knew his ways. So anytime God answered a prayer... The children of Israel never recognized it because all they knew was the acts of God, not the ways of God. They could only see it when God was moving, but could not discern God moving behind the scenes. We, ladies and gentlemen, as a picture of our spiritual connection to God, I told you when he's working on me, he is trying to get me to, to recognize, to become aware and to be connected. If all I see is the acts of God, They saw the hand of God. They couldn't hear his voice. They couldn't discern his ways. All they could do is respond to what God had already done. Can Can I go deeper with this? Please give me your attention a few more minutes. Please, come here. Can I go deeper with this? Please write this down. One of the greatest pictures of spiritual immaturity, remember last week, grow into it. We were talking about spiritual discernment and spiritual maturity. One of the greatest things about spiritual maturity and how you could tell that you're immature in God, how you could tell you're immature in God, the children of Israel never did good with success. 
All of their sins came after a, something was successful in their life. They prayed more and were connected to God while they were struggling, but they never handled success well. One clear sign of spiritual immaturity is that the only way God gets a consistent you is if trouble and pain is present, you're spiritually immature. If he's got to always leave something for you to pray about, then he can't just let everything be fine because he don't get no time with you. Spiritual immaturity is when you've got to have something to beg, plead, cry out for, for God to get ongoing connection to you. That the only way he gets you is when you're praying for something. But when everything is fine, nothing to beg him for, nothing to ask him for, he don't get no time with you. One of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity, when, he, when he's got to always let dysfunction pop off around you to keep a connection to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, children of Israel, you realize every single time. Okay, Marcus, for the Bible reader, bring the thing full circle. Children of Israel leave from Egypt. The moment they leave from Egypt, they go from being slaves owning nothing to being wealthy because they borrowed from all of Egypt all the gold. The Bible says that the, that the elders had to take, they had so much gold, so much money, let me say it that way, that it weighed them down so much they had to put it on the backs of their children. That's how wealthy they were overnight. What do you think the first thing they did with all the money God gave them? What's the first thing they did? Complained about no water, complained about no food because they didn't trust God for it. And what did they do with the gold that God gave them? They built a golden calf while Moses was up in, in the, while Moses was at the top of the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. They were down there dancing naked and had built a golden calf with the golden money God just gave them. <laughs> do y'all hear this? Do y'all hear this? They didn't manage success well. They used the resources God gave them to fund their dysfunction, and they had an orgy party. Literally, Moses comes down, sees them naked, and breaks the Ten Commandments. Every time God blessed them, they, they did not manage success well. And I want to ask you, could it be possible that you have not reached the, le the lifestyle that you want and why it, has not, why it does not look like what you expected? It's because he has got to complete the work in you. He knows that you're far too lazy right now for him to bless you with money. You feel no incentive for work ethic. He, he knows that he can't get you to be consistent now. How is he going to get you to be consistent later? You're going to frustrate an employee, a man, a woman, a boy, a child, whoever in your life if you don't learn to manage success. So trust me when I tell you, your future success is predicated on your, cur on your current strategy. Your future, your future success is predicated on your current strategy. Oh, God, help me, 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 help me. Okay, I, I got to move. I want to stay there. Okay, so now I, I got to move. God, who is, it, who is it you want me to deal with? Who is it you want me to deal with? I, I hear the person that keeps saying, how long? Like, that's what you're asking. How long? God, I'm tired of praying over this. You really are mad at God. Like, just be honest. I got to pause this message. I'm reaching just for you. Who's the person the last few weeks been mad at God that you keep that you literally in your prayer time got mad at him and was telling him like it don't make make no sense how long you've been waiting. Like, who's the person that literally that's been your conversation with him? Like, it doesn't make any. And here, I hear you. You even said it to a friend. You spoke to a friend and said it. <laughs> oh, God, I hear it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You were venting. 
and you were talking to a friend about how frustrated you were that God had not done it yet. <laughs> oh, Lord, L listen to me. Listen to me. He has. You don't recognize your prayers are always in seed form because it does not look like how you perceive an answer prayer to be. It doesn't look it doesn't look like an answer prayer because you're not even ready to see what the future looks like. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I got a riddle for you. Unless you see it before you see it, when you see it, you won't recognize it. Unless you get a clear picture of your future, God could answer a prayer and you don't even recognize it. Oh, he could very well answer your prayer. And what looks like an unanswered prayer could be the answer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Bible. Go Bible on them, Marcus. They didn't get it. Do you realize for over a thousand years they prayed every day for Jesus? And when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him? <laughs> oh, they couldn't recognize. Okay, move, move. So now I'm in my text, ladies and gentlemen. And when we, when we, listen to me, we're in the context because any text without a context is a con, conning you out of the truth of God's word. So the context of our text is so broad. We are looking at from Genesis all the way to Joshua. And we're seeing these groups of people known as the children of Israel. Egypt was minding their business. God, here I come. I'm coming for somebody. Don't miss this point I'm about to make. Egypt was minding their business. They're in Egypt and have settled into the fact I'm cool where I am. They once cried out to God to deliver them, but they have stopped praying because I don't even expect God to answer my prayer no more. It is at this time that they are no longer praying. God goes and speaks to Moses to go and get them. Oh, come here, come here. Please don't miss this. They have stopped praying about it because my life don't look like what I expect. God, I'm done praying about it. They have manageable expectations. I can manage this. I'm talking to somebody who you tired of being frustrated, tired of being disappointed. So your confession is it is what it is. It is where you have managed an expectation and have embraced the idea. It just is what it is. This is where Egypt, where they were in Egypt. They have managed the lifestyle of slavery and grown accustomed to it. Well, I get food every day. I got a place to lay my head, but it's not the life that I want. This don't look like what I expected. So God has to go and interrupt Moses to go and interrupt the people to move them to the lifestyle he has for them. Oh, God, I want to talk to somebody who have moved to a confession, and your confession is, well, I mean, it just is what it is. It is your manageable expectation. It's easier to not be disappointed again. It's easier to embrace what I don't want, what I don't have, what I, this is not what I want. But I got, I've grown accustomed to it. Ain't no good men out there. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm talking to somebody that what God has to do, you were minding your business, and you got comfortable embracing it, and he disrupts it now that won't let you settle for safe in your manageable environment. Oh, my God. If I don't expect nothing, I can expect to not be hurt. <laughs> if, if I just accept that this is how it is, then I don't have to worry about being blindsided by somebody breaking my expectation. So what do you expect from this relationship? Nothing. I mean, I don't even know you like that. It's easier to place no expectation on them, to have no expectation for the relationship, to don't expect trust, to don't expect consistency. Because if I expect it from you, I could end up, I'm in my introduction, with broken expectation. 
And rather than have to piece back together the pieces of my broken heart and my broken expectation, I won't expect nothing at all. But God never, oh, help me, Jesus. God never planned for me to live a life with no expectation. Oh, because my expectation now places something for me to put faith to. Oh, God, oh, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. I'm trying to figure out how to explain to you what I heard all year, all yesterday. I'm trying to figure out how do I express to you what I'm hearing to you. There are, there are many of you, he told me to preach this message to you, that life does not look like, faith does not look like, God does not look like, money does not look like, family does not look like what you expected. And you have thrown away your expectation, then you're just going through the motions, accepting. You're living in Egypt, ladies and gentlemen, living beneath your standard, living beneath your lifestyle, living beneath, beneath the answer prayers waiting for you. You don't expect to meet the love of your life. You don't expect to have, un you don't expect money to come from the north, south, east, and west, unexpected checks. You don't believe that money comes frequently, easily, and abundantly. You believe that the only way to have more money is to get another job. <laughs> no, because that's what your expectation has told you. But I'm here to tell you, oh, Lord, expectations. I expect good things. Somebody say it with me. I expect good things to happen for me. I expect good things to happen to happen for me. I expect good things to happen for me. I expect good things to happen for me. I expect good things to happen for me. Oh, I expect good things to happen for me. Oh, to the person who don't expect nothing from your family, you don't expect your family to change. Why? I, because I expected it before and it broke my heart. I expect things to change. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I expect it. I, I like that, Jay. I expect heaven's best for me. Uh, okay, 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 okay. So let's, let's bring this thing together. I got less than 12 minutes to bring this whole, this whole message together. So do y'all remember when I was talking about the, how God as the trainer, that, that core work, how he puts you in an unstable environment to work your core? Let's draw a parallel between the instability of God working on me to the instability of moving me from manageable expectations to unmanageable expectations. They were minding their business in Egypt. He comes and disrupts them. And now when they leave from Egypt to go into the wilderness, it is an unstable environment. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know where water is coming from. They don't know where they're going to live. And they got, God got the nerve to say, don't get comfortable when you see the cloud or the fire be ready to move. How are you going to move me from the stability of Egypt into a place that I don't know where my next meal is coming from? I don't know where, I don't know what, what the, God, where you want me to move? Okay, just watch you. God, I don't like this. This every day I got to follow you. That, the instability of it all was a frustrating thing. If you look at the children of Israel, imagine for 40 years living in instability. Every day, they can never get comfortable. Hey, so what you doing next week? Well, we're supposed to. Here, I want y'all to hear. I'm a, I want y'all to hear what a conversation would have sounded like in present day if we were the children of Israel living in the wilderness. Okay? Come here. Come here. Come here. Like, like, listen to this. Listen to this. Hey, so what you doing on Saturday? 
Well, we supposed to have my baby birthday party if the cloud don't move. You know, God in the middle of the cloud moved last time on Thursday. We're supposed to have a party at such and such house. But then the cloud moved. We had to pack up everything, get all our bags, all our clothes. And we had to go from um, the land of the Amorites into the land of the Jebusites overnight. Girl, I almost left my baby stuff underneath such and such tent. Think about the instability of what it looked like. Well, I mean, normally it don't move until around like 7 o'clock. Yeah, but last time. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's have a party at 12 because God ain't going to move until 7 p.m. Okay, perfect. Girl, we done playing all that. Come on, the cloud moving, fire by night. Do you know what it would be like to live in the instability of the moment I get comfortable, God says move. <laughs> the moment I feel good, oh, my expectations are torn. Could you imagine living in that time? They're rich. They went from being slaves. Don't Before you feel bad for them, they were slaves where it was comfortable. They're rich and it's uncomfortable. Oh, they were slaves and it was comfortable. They are rich and it's uncomfortable because they do not, they have not found their environment yet. Oh, God, help me, help me, help me get a people to understand they don't realize the children of Israel, the wilderness was their answered prayer. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody don't realize God answered your prayer. <gasps> it don't look like what you expect. I'm like, hold on, that's a good point. God, I prayed that you would get me out of Egypt, but I ain't wanted to look like this. <laughs> Oh, the wilderness is an answer prayer. So with the time I have left, I got less than 13 minutes. God, I wish I had more time to tell y'all this. But I told you one hour of your attention is all I need. 13 minutes left. There are four things I told you that you have got to have in order for you to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous. And I'm not talking about the rich and famous of America, but I'm talking about the rich and famous of a rich God and a famous Jesus. And the things you got to have is I told you spiritual discernment. Second thing I told you was self-awareness. Third thing I told you was self-education. And the fourth I told you was self-discipline. <coughs> well, <coughs> last week I taught on spiritual discernment. Well, common sense would tell me that this week then I got to deal with self-awareness. And i got to move fast, ladies and gentlemen. Come on Wednesday and I'll unpack this even more. Uh, so let's deal with this whole self-awareness piece. And I want to give you four things within it. Write these four things down. Write these four things down. If, you, if we're in the comments, do these four things for me. Four things. Four things. Four things. So do y'all remember? I'm, I'm bringing this all together. Do y'all remember? So last week I told you three things I talked about. God working on me, God working in me, and God working through me. I want to deal with just that God, God working in me part because that's the self-awareness piece. But I want, to, I want to give you these four. Remember I told you God is in me, but also me is in me? What do you mean? There's a, God is in me, but me in me. God's will is in me, but my will is in me. God's desires is in me, but my desires are in me. So God in me, number two, me in me. Number three, here's what I'm going to unpack. Them in me. <laughs> number four, it in me. Come here. Come here. Come here. God in me, number one. Number two. Number two. Number two. Me in me. Number three, them in me. Number four, 
it in me. Oh, God, I, I should have did this earlier. I got less than 10 minutes to give y'all all this good ghetto gospel. Give them the base. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when God is in me, we have got to then realize that one of the things that God is doing when God is in me, God has got to now eliminate or disrupt. Please hear this. Eliminate or disrupt. Number one, my pet. Oh, God, this is this is for somebody. Thank you, DeAndra. Good to see you. One of the things that God's got to disrupt is my petty perspective. Petty perspective. He's got to disrupt my petty perspective. What do you mean petty perspective? Some of us, many of us, I'll venture to say almost all of us have a petty perspective. What's a petty perspective? What does the word petty mean? Someone who is petty is someone who focuses on things that are trivial or unimportant. When you are petty, you prioritize unimportant things. You focus your attention on it and make it the topic of discussion. So when someone says, well, I don't want to be petty, but did you see? They are talking about trivial things that are unimportant and making it the perspective that they see the world through. If God is going to grow me up to be able to inherit, to have, and to see things as it truly is, if things don't look like what I expect and he's trying to shift my expectation, he's got to shift my petty perspective. Because I can spend all my time focused on and talking about trivial things that don't matter and ignore the things that matter the most. Why is it that the things that don't work get most of my time and the things that do work don't get as much of my time? Why is it that you talk more? <coughs> Hear this. There are people who will spend their time complaining about those who are not there and never celebrating those who are there. They are those that will talk about those who hate you and ignore those who love you. That are those with a petty perspective who talk about what has not worked instead of celebrating what has worked. Your confession has to shift. And when your confession shifts, you shift your attention to a positive perspective, not a petty perspective. A petty perspective is one that looks at the trivial, the menial, things that don't matter. Some of you right now woke up this morning thinking about what you're going to eat after service and spent no time thinking about what God was going to say to you. That's a petty perspective. Right now, in the middle of this message, chances are you have been thinking about something that is petty. It's so small in the grand scheme of what God is saying to you. In comparison to what he's saying in this message, to the things you're thinking, things you're texting, things you're doing, it is a petty perspective that your mind has drifted at least two times to social media because you got a petty perspective. Shift your perspective. It is a petty perspective. Literally, we got on here at 12 o'clock. It's 12.52. 52 minutes and you could not draw your attention away from your petty perspective to see what God wants to say. How could he give me what it is that he wants me to have when my perspective is so petty? Oh, okay. Well, I don't prioritize what is important to God. Okay, shift, 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 shift. The second thing, God Almighty, is your personal truth. And I'm probably not even going to be able to get to the me and me, the them and me, the it and me, because I'll go over, over my time. But the next thing is your personal truth. This is important about self-awareness. Your personal truth is so important because inside of your personal truth is wrapped up these three things that I want to unpack for you in your personal truth. 
Here is where here is where we are divided. Here is where it becomes difficult. Here is where it becomes tough for us in our personal truth. Remember self-awareness. Who am I? The me and me. I'm trying to resolve the me and me. Part of that is my personal truth. So let me give an example. In my personal truth, typically you've got people, what I call people, profession, profession and position. Okay, so check this out. Like this whole mistaken identity piece of the me and me. I am, I am a pastor, right? You get this. This is my position. But my position and my person are not one and the same. My profession is that of a business consultant. And then the people in my life that I'm in relationship with, my boo, my bae, whether you're a husband, a father, a girlfriend, a wife, a mother. So let me do it this way. When you're talking about this self-awareness piece of your personal truth, there is a personal truth that you have about the people in your life. Boo, bae, mother, father, sister, girlfriend, husband. If you're a mom, if you got kids, all of these are a part of your personal truth that you could tell yourself that can rob you of the expectation of God for you because you believe this is what you are based on your personal truth as it relates to people. Oh, well, I'm just a mother. I'm just, well, I can't because I'm a mom. I can't because I'm a wife. Personal truth, boo, bae, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, sister, friend, Friendships, all the relationships, the people in your life can describe you in a way that you embrace that as a personal truth. It is not you and it robs you of the authenticity of the true me and me. The me and me, listen to it. The people in my life get me. They do not make me who I am. You follow me? So I give the people in my life me. The people in my life don't give me me. Y'all understanding that? Then we move out of the people into the profession. The thing that you do for a living. My job gets me. My job is not me. My profession gets me. My profession is not me. So when I realize that, my personal truth surrounding my profession is different. When we talk about position, if you're a pastor, if you're a CEO, if whatever... <clears throat> whatever your life position may be, your position gets you. Your position is not you. So what does that conversation sound like? What do you hear when you're talking about the me and me? What does that conversation sound like? Please hear it. Hear this. Hear the distinction in this. I got to teach this part. Hear the distinction. It is a difference between hearing who are you versus who am I? Who are you? Is the conversation that plays in my head that someone asked me, who am I, is the conversation that plays that I ask myself. If I'm going to have a clear expectation and live the lifestyle that God has for me, I've got to change the narrative of my personal truth and my internal conversation. Who are you versus who am I? I ask myself the question and I answer. <laughs> what do you do versus what do I do? Here it is. Come here. Come here. Did, are y'all hearing this? Hey, what do you do? Versus what do I do? That sober thought shifts my perspective because I see me. I don't see life through the lens of you because if I do, life will never look like what I expect. I will live in accordance to your expectation, not my own. I'll say it again. I will, if, I don't, if I don't change the conversation 
to it being an internal question that I answer versus an external question that I answer, then I will have a perspective to live by your expectation and not my own. Oh, God. So I've got to say one more thought to you about what I call a crowded expectation. What is a crowded expectation? What is a crowded expectation? What is a crowded expectation? Crowded expectation, it is when all of those different things I just mentioned, where the them in me, the it in me, the me in me, and the God in me are all fighting for the same position. But here's what I need y'all to know. Typically, when people have an expectation and the expectation is crowded within your life, the first thing you give up is the thing that only matters to you. It shouldn't be that way, but it's normally how it happens. Let me explain it. If people expect me to be there for them to do something, to take action, to have resources to help, but I want to move forward to do this in my life, normally the first thing I abandon is the thing that only matters to my expectation so I don't break and rob them of theirs. So the vision that I have for me versus the vision you have for me, I don't want to disappoint you. So the first thing that we remove and discard is our own expectation to make room for theirs. Oh, I want this, but you expect this. We don't pursue our passions and our purposes and our vision sometimes because we know in order to do that, we'll disappoint someone's expectation. <laughs> so the first thing we get rid of is our own expectation. And we make excuses for ignoring God's expectation. We will ignore God's expectation and ignore our own expectation to meet somebody else's. We'll make room for theirs and ignore ours and God's. Oh. Okay, okay. I got to say one more example with this. I, I, is, is this. Is this making sense for us? Oh, my God. Let me give you an example with this. Okay, so. It's easier for us if we've had success following something. So if, if you're in the beginning stage of your vision and you haven't seen success yet, you'll say, oh, well, I can just do it later. And you'll discard your business or something that's important to you because you don't have proof of concept yet. So you'll say, well, OK, so you will say no to it to say yes to someone else. But if it were already successful, you'd pursue it. But what God is trying to do is shift your perspective and say it was successful the day you started it. It doesn't look like what you expected because you haven't given it the attention that it needs. <laughs> oh, God, I, God, are they getting this? God, are they getting this? Are y'all getting this? It's so practical. Like, it's such a practical message. We're at one o'clock, and I said that we always end at one. Should we just land the plane here, or can I give y'all one more point? Like, can I, can I wrap this? Y'all be honest with me. Y'all be honest with me. I got like two more things to share with you. Like y'all tell me. And I can end right now and pick up on Wednesday or I can, or I can, I can come to the conclusion of this, these last two things that I want to tell you. It's up to y'all. Drop it in the comments. If y'all listening to the podcast right now, I'm letting them vote on it. This is not what I expected. <laughs> this is not what I expected. Keep going. Okay. 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 Theo, thank you. You're talking today. Okay. Let's end with let's end with this. Yahoo! Come here. Can I go into now? So I talked about the God in me. 
how he eliminates petty perspective, how he shifts me out of that other place I talked about, the me and me, and this whole crowded expectation. Now I want to deal with them and me. Them and me. I'll do this quickly. Y'all give me four minutes. I'll do this quickly. Them and me. I want to talk to somebody and I got to bring healing. I got to bring healing to, on this part. Them and me. Them and me. Them and me. What do you mean them and me? When it is that I have a crowded expectation and I move me out of the way to make room for you. When I, move, when I, when I make excuses and move God out of the way to make room for, you, for them and for it. Material items. Pain, memories, moments. When this happens, what normally happens is, listen to this. Most people, it's good to see, it's good to see you, right? So listen, most people, hear this, have come to a painful conclusion. I, I, God, help me to say it the way you said it in my spirit. When we're talking about the them in me, sometimes them in me lead me to a painful conclusion. Like, what do you mean a painful conclusion, Marcus? Like, how does this make sense? If I'm living by their expectation and I can never meet it, I never feel like I'm enough because I got rid of the me in me to be able to satisfy the them in me. So I never feel like I'm enough. Eventually, I come to a painful conclusion and I say statements like, all men are dogs. All women ain't loyal. Well, ain't no, ain't no such thing as loyal friends. That's a painful conclusion to come to. No such thing as a marriage that lasts forever. No such thing as a genuine pastor. When I make the painful conclusion that nobody and nothing is good, I have no expectation for God to move and no expectation for life to be okay. Why do I call it a painful conclusion? Some people think when you hear a person say, a absolute statement like all men are dogs, all women cheat, all men cheat. That's a painful conclusion that a person arrived at based on their ongoing experience. They have concluded by their pain. This is all I expect for people to be. Well, ain't nobody truly loyal. Everybody lies. That's a painful conclusion. A painful conclusion of I expect people to not do me right. Ain't nobody going to give you something for nothing. That's a painful conclusion. Nobody going to help you unless they got an ulterior motive. Painful conclusion. Because you have concluded based on what you've experienced in the past that your future will look the same. That's a painful conclusion. And you concluded that because of the them that's in you that God's got to move out. You've allowed them to take up so much space in your life that you've concluded to be okay to survive, to protect yourself. You have got to conclude, this is just what people are. All men cheat. Well, everybody do a little something. Ain't no, you have these painful conclusions, but please hear this. I'm going to say something to you. What you. When you come to a painful conclusion, what you lose is not what you lose. <laughs> Let me say it again. When you come to a painful conclusion, what you lose is not really what you lose. Oh, Oh, teach boy, teach boy, teach boy. Oh, we got to bring healing. What you lose is not what you lose. When you lose the relationship, you also lost trust. <laughs> you lost what you could see, but you, but you also lost what you couldn't see. <laughs> so you lost the relationship. You could see the person, but you didn't see what happened to your trust. You came to a painful conclusion. Oh, God, because what you lost ain't what you lost. 
Oh, Lord, Lord, you, you lost, you lost the, the friendship, but you also lost hope in people. You could see the friendship, but you couldn't see your hope. Because what you lose ain't what you lose. <laughs> oh, you lost the marriage. You lost the marriage, but what you lose ain't what you lose. You lost expectation. <laughs> oh, God, you lost it. You lost it. You, you, lo you lost it. You lost it. You lost it. You, you lost the job. They fired you but, you, but you also lost confidence in yourself because what you lose ain't always what you lose. When you come to the painful conclusion that this is all life is going to be, what you lose ain't what you lose. To lose hope, to lose expectation, you lost faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please them. Oh, so what you lose ain't just what you lose. And if the, oh, God, help me. What you lose ain't what you lose, ladies and gentlemen. Epic family, what you lose ain't what you lose. You lost what you could see. And your painful conclusion, every experience you show up, and it does not look like what you expected because you can't see God moving in your life. Until you unravel your personal truth. God has got to instigate your personal truth that you've resolved it is what it is. <laughs> you have resolved to the painful conclusion and he unravels that personal truth and say, you will not believe this anymore. <laughs> you will not embrace this anymore. You will not adjust to not having enough. You will not adjust to struggling. What you, you will expect for me to do more in your life. What you lose is not just what you lose. <laughs> oh God, oh God, I need you to understand. You've, lo you've lost something in your relationship with God. You, you lost something in your connection to him because what you lose ain't just what you lose. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. I got it. Okay, in, in, Marcus, in, 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 in. My question to you is, what do you expect from yourself and what do you expect from God? What is your expectation from yourself? What is your expectation from God? No, no, no. Come here. Give me your attention. What do you expect from you? What do you expect from you? I, I give myself no excuse, no, no excuses, no apologies, no outs. Expect more from me than any other human being could ever expect. If you expect me to be good, I expect myself to be great. Expect more from yourself than any other human being could ever expect. For somebody, you got to hear this. You would get up every morning and go to a job you hate, but you won't get up and push yourself to show up for you. You'll go out your way if somebody had a flat tire to go pick them up. But when's the last time you got out, went out your way for yourself? What do you expect from you? When's the last time you were there for yourself? Oh, what do you expect from you? Oh, I'm done, everybody. I'm over time. I'm over time. And what do you expect from God? The last thing that connects to that other part, what, what you lose is not what you lose. The enemy knows. Satan knows, ladies and gentlemen, I want to heal you. Satan knows that the way that God answers your prayers is through yourself and through people. So if he could get you to the painful conclusion that you do not expect anything from people, how can God answer your prayer when you don't trust yourself and you don't trust others? <sighs> he is trying to rob you of the trust you once had for you. You are doubting who is on you're doubting your own thoughts. You'll come up with an idea and doubt yourself because you've been wrong before. He is trying to rob you of the trust you had in yourself. He's trying to rob you of the trust you had in people and the trust you have in God. But I come here today to disrupt and unravel that truth 
and tell you that God's going to do something that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, that God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above what you can ask, think, dream, or imagine, but it will not look like what you expect. It will be better. You have not seen what God's going to do. When you describe your perfect person, it's a lie because you don't even know it yet because you don't know you. <laughs> Your type, your taste, all the things you're describing about a whole lot of money is not a lot of money. It will not. I'm done. It will not look like what you expect. It'll be better than. It will not look like what you expect. It will be better than. The promised land, ladies and gentlemen, did not look like what they expected. The promised land was empty. When they got there, the only way they're going to live in a house is if they use their imagination, partner with God and build it. The food that they ate was the, food, was the seed they sowed themselves. Their expectation was, was for God to do what he did in the wilderness or to feed them like, like he did in Egypt. But God didn't meet their expectation. It didn't look like what they expected. And I'm saying to you, it does not mean God's not going to do it for you because it doesn't look like what you, how you expect God to do it. You expected a raise at your job. God expected you to start a side business. <laughs> <laughs> you expected an apology. God expected you to process through the pain of, of moving on without ever receiving an apology. <laughs> I'm done. Father, heal us, change us. You are moving us. Please let them hear it into a new place. It won't look like what we expected. It will be better than what we ever expected. We don't even know what to believe or what to see, but I'm believing you for big things and for better. I receive, Father, it will be big, it will be better than I could think, dream, or imagine. Every day is blessed. Every day is blessed. Father, bless us. Change our perspective. Help us to see life differently. Work on us. Work on our work ethic. Heal us of our pain. Pain from memory, past pains, things that is living on the inside of us that rob us of the joy that we once had. That God, some of us have such a negative confession that when good things are going, we say, what, what could happen next? We're expecting something bad to happen because we don't expect to live stress-free days. Father, change what we expect. In Jesus' name, amen. We're over time. We're over time, everybody, by like 11 minutes. I wanted to be right at an hour. But two things I want to do. Number one, I would love to be your pastor. We would love to be your church. To the partners of the Epic Nation, I love you. I love you beyond words. I can't even describe what it is like to lead you, to be connected to you. God, the greatest gift of my life is the ability to serve you. I couldn't imagine what I'd do with my life if I could not spend it serving you. So let me say this to you. If this, is your, if, 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 if this is your first time or if you're new to the Epic Nation and you say, man, I vibe with this. I don't know what this is, but I vibe with it and want to know more about it. Just drop it in the comments. Let us know. Charles will connect with you. Elaine will connect with you. Someone from our connection team will reach out to you and connect you to the ministry. If you say, man, this, this right here, I want in. I want in. Like, I want to be a part of that. We welcome you to all of the partners, to everybody that is with us in week in, week out. God is doing something amazing in and through us. These are not sermons, ladies and gentlemen. These are not messages. They are things that is unraveling parts of us for us to become better. So if you want to be a partner, just drop the word partner. If you are new to the Epic Nation and just have questions, just drop it in and just say, I want to know more. So if you are new and want more information, just type, I want to know more. If you want to be a partner, type the word partner in the comments. Last but not least, 
Last but not least, I want to do one last thing. One of my favorite things to do, giving, giving, giving. Last week. We got to stop right there. I hope you enjoy that message. This is not what I expected. Listen, if, it, if you enjoyed it, remember, one of the greatest ways to contribute to invest, to give back to anything that gives to you is to share it with someone else. If it'll bless you, it'll bless somebody else. So share this podcast with them. Also share share our, our YouTube, our Facebook. We would love to connect with you. If you're just listening to the podcast but have never attended on Wednesdays or Sundays and to the partners of Epic Nation that are listening to this, your pastor loves you. <laughs> all right. I'll see you all on Wednesday and Sunday. Make sure you text 74121, the word E-Nation, to stay connected to all we're doing globally. Where's your church? Everywhere. Church anywhere, any day, anytime. I'll see you next time.